You're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, this Friday afternoon. Let's turn to our very first topic and guest of today. In the next 15 minutes or so, we're talking about back-to-school anxieties experienced by children and young people. Now, because of the pandemic, many children have had a rather um, start-stop journey for the most of the past 12 months. Uh, It's been online classes and, and virtual meetings with their classmates. So what kind of an effect has that had on our children and what sorts of anxieties might they face as they transition back into the classroom and into the school setting. For comment, I'm really delighted to be joined by Astrid Merkt, who is a psychotherapist and a personal development coach from Balance Health. Welcome onto the program, Astrid. It's great to speak to you today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Noreen. And thanks for highlighting such an important and amazing topic that's so relevant during this time. Absolutely. Uh, we are live on Facebook as well. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3 is the page to go to. And uh, for our listeners, feel free to join us there. If you are a concerned parent or if you're a student listening, uh, feel free to uh, comment there as well. So uh, let's perhaps start with these anxieties. I mean, I know you work with uh, young people uh, as well. Uh, what sorts of anxieties? has COVID-19 sort of brought on for young people? Well, one of the biggest things right now is is uncertainty. And basically, that's what anxiety is. Like, our brains are cued to to look for threats, look for fears, to keep us safe, to keep us alive. So evolutionary-wise, we have this tendency to always look for hazards and threats that we perceive ourselves. A lot of that is also the perception of what the stress is. And the way we mitigate that usually is by having a plan and being able to formulate an action so that we can either deter away from that fear or threat or we can change it or we can supersede it. And right now, the big issue is that we have this uncertainty and we don't have this ability to plan for something because we don't know what the future holds. So when you combine uncertainty and fear and you bring those two together, which are perfectly normal, both of them together combined create anxiety. And both of those exasperated create panic attacks and can snowball into something a lot worse. So I think with the children right now, not being able to know when they go back to school, um, you know, how is online classes working? Because it's all very new. So when you're not used to something familiar, the unfamiliar is scary. And I think everyone, not only just children, but the adults on the teacher side are also trying to figure out how to do the online classes, how to get them together. And then the third thing is is schedules. Like routine for children and teens is essential. Like the most important thing you can do to keep a stability when everything is all over the place is a routine and schedule. And that's completely thrown out the window when you're homeschooling and maybe you don't have space and maybe you've got a little sibling that's running around or you don't even have a proper desk. And even classes, I think, aren't fully from, you know, 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. and you have your activities and your sports and the social aspect, which is huge as well. So combine all of that together and you've got a huge cocktail for everyone to kind of go haywire. Absolutely. And Hong Kong is known for, you know, it's sort of stressful environment for children with the amount of homework and the pressure that they face. And it's not easy learning online. Um, You know, if if children have questions, they may not be able to ask so directly to teachers. It's all very new. One thing that strikes me about the behavior of children and and, and young people is that they're quite, um, they're quite adaptable. They, they, They adapt nicely to new changes and um 
and and I and I think for the most part they've sort of taken it on on their stride. Not not to say that they're not stressed in in, in this situation, but when you speak to parents, they're often the ones who are really stressed about homeschooling their their children. But we do notice some challenging behaviour for students who, who who find this disruption. Let's talk about the disruption. Uh, due to COVID, um, perhaps with their socialisations, what, what challenges do you see in their behaviour? Well, first, you actually made a really good, valid point, Noreen, at the very beginning, um, before we go into the behaviour, is exactly children, believe it or not, and babies are the most resilient human beings. So, so babies and children and toddlers, they're born to be resilient, be able to endure so much adversity and stress, and they have these self-soothing techniques up until the age of like one, Babies and infants are able to self-soothe and have these, you know, abilities to regulate their own emotions. And as they turn two years old and they start going into toddlerhood and into childhood, that transfers into their own innate resiliency, which is usually very strong, much stronger than ours, to mimicking and looking at the caregivers' behaviors and mom and dad's behaviors and how they deal with stress. So that's probably one of the most important things is, yeah, mom and dad and, and the people that the kids are learning from is where they're learning their resilience. So even though they're the most resilient human beings and they can you know, go against so much, so many odds, um, what the parents mimic and how they handle the stress is actually gonna really affect the children more than anything. So if parents could do anything is make sure they self-care and make sure that they're the ones keeping the cool and trying to remember that what they portray, the kids are gonna mimic. This and is music to my them. ears. Uh, I think it says a lot more about me than, than my one-year-old who's not able to self-soothe and sort of crying till the middle of the night probably reflects on, on my stress level. But it's true, children can adapt very nicely. And, and if you speak to um, uh, three-year-olds or four-year-olds, they miss that socialization, um, that they miss their friends, they, they, they miss their classmates because they're just sort of stepping into that new world of socialization. What sorts of disruption has is this sort of cause for them? Well, it's very difficult because they have this, especially with well, children. Believe it or not, children are probably the least affected. Teens are the ones that are the most affected because they really realize what's happening. As you said, going back to the fact of how resilient children are, that, you know, they're fine. They're like, okay, well, we used to see our friends in school and now we're kind of at home and we sort of get more freedom a bit. But, but you know, they, they actually find ways to really, yeah, to really adapt well. So the, the biggest concern right now in the children and teen demographic are the teens because they're the ones that are more aware and they're the ones that are more really looking forward to having, you know, their teams for schools or perhaps their clubs that they have, these certain clubs that they create or even graduations or their prom or their dances, all these social events that for them, it's really impacting. Meanwhile, children are like, well, great. I get to have some more playtime at school. I kind of get to look at computers and, you know, they're very adaptable. Um, but a lot of the time, depending on the child, of course, you always have extremes. So you'll see maybe some children really retreating and starting to really go from their bubbly selves. And because they're having difficulty with not being able to socialize with their friends and having that as their support, because sometimes, you know, mom and dad are busy with work. And for kids, their social circle is what makes them happy and is what gives them support. So you take that away from them and they're stuck maybe with the helpers and mom and dad working and them stressed, then they'll either do kind of the two polar opposites of completely retreat and be quiet 
and lose all motivation or completely dysregulate and be off the wall jumping up and down and having too much energy and, and you know acting out behaviorally aggressively sometimes talking back being trying to challenge you know their their parents just to get a rise and just to get some kind of attention because they're not getting the attention they need. Yeah, you work with a lot of uh, young young people also, Astrid. Um, what sorts of anxieties do they tell you they experience, or what sorts of stress do they tell you about? Um, a lot of the time, it's actually just not being heard. That's the main thing. Is is you know us as adults and and parents, of course, we always think we know what's best for our kids, and we always want to tell them what to do and how it has to be done, and you're giving these children, these, you know, these young little kids or even the teens that they used to have, you know, their, their routine, their freedom, their socialization with their peers. And all of a sudden, now they're telling, being told what to do that so much of the children just want to be heard and validated and say, like, you know what, mom, I want to tell you my frustrations. I don't want you to tell me that, you know, what I have to do to make myself feel better. I want you to just simply hear me out. And sometimes just asking questions is the most crucial thing any mm-hmm. mom or dad can do. Like saying, hey, what what are you struggling with? Or why is it that you're throwing things around? Like what's, what's really happening? What's going on? And just simply opening up that line of communication can flourish such a more positive relationship between you know a parent and a child. Just kind of questioning and letting them tell you because they know what's going on. They're such observant and brilliant little beings that, you know, children's, their brains are the ones that are absorbing so much during these years that a lot of them are a lot more intelligent than us and know what's going on a lot more than us because we're just so boggled and focused on one thing that we don't see the big picture. So asking questions and really connecting with them and, and letting them tell you what they want and then work together to formulate a plan because you saying this is the plan you'll have retaliation a lot of the times. You'll have a lot of, you know, pushback. But as soon as you open up the lines and say, hey, this is the problem. So how about you help me figure this out? How about you tell me how we can solve this? And as soon as you give a child or a teen the autonomy, they just feel that they have the power again when they have lost the power. From About their empowerment, yeah, if you that, share that yeah. responsibility with them. Astrid, I also want to, you mentioned a really good point about how with older children, with, with, with teenagers perhaps, that they sort of, they can sort of retreat into their own shell or perhaps, you know, lash out. Let's talk a little bit more about these mood changes. Um, what are some common ones that you've come across and what are some red flags that parents should really pay attention to? So lack of motivation, that's, that's a huge one. Uh, usually moodiness. So you'll see a lot of, you know, changes and fluctuations in mood throughout the day. Um, opposition, so not wanting to, to, obviously, you know, you say one thing and no matter what you say, they're just going to oppose to that just because they're trying to get a rise. They want to get the attention. Is you that know, typical of a teenager, though? <laughs> it is. It is. Unfortunately, it is. But at the same time, um, that's that's part of they're growing, but also part of their retaliating, part of their behavior. So whatever is actually, there's not a specific thing that you can say, okay, well, this and this is is what's happening. But you yourself as a parent knows what the regular pattern of behavior of your child is. So when you see a dysregular pattern or a change in what's normal for them, because you'll have kids that are lazy no matter what, they'll be happy, but they're just lazy, right? Versus you have a child that's always active and they're involved and they're doing sports and they're going out for runs and they're socialized and all of a sudden they become really lazy, no motivated, and that is an alarm. Yeah. Or if you have a really lazy child and they're not really doing much and all of a sudden, you know, they start to become a little bit more 
oppositional as well and not wanting to do any of their of their work and they're they're doing something that's not their normal pattern of behavior that's usually the biggest alarm sign and with teens it is it's usually just the lack of motivation it's the retreating away from from engagements not wanting to to engage at dinner table conversations and that's when when yeah the questions have to come up from the parents and you have to you know, first of all, really validate and hear them out and, and see what's what's going on and how you can then maybe make a plan to give them a bit more social media time, perhaps, so they can have a connection with friends and a routine. Like the most important thing you can do during this time is, all right, well, at this time, this time, what would you like to do? Like, would you like to do give them options, but smart options like you have three courses. Would you like to do this course and this course first? So have them kind of you sort of guide them, but they choose how they want to schedule their day. It's like, okay, we well, have to do one hour of exercise today. When would you like to do it? And which kind of exercise would you like to do? So you're not telling them you have to do exercise. You're giving them the option. You're suggesting because you have to prime them of what's good for them and then allow them to engage. And then family time as much as you can. You can have dinners with the kids and, and you know, practice gratitude at the dinner table. Like ask each person, like, what are you grateful for today? And start to prime the whole family in a positive state of, of perception, outlook and conversation yeah. for that's, the teens. Yeah, and then for kids, it's it's a bit different. For, for kids, you want to really connect with them and label and teach them what emotions are. But that's a whole different tangent we can go into later. <laughs> I'd l- yes, I'd love to have you back another time. That That's definitely a, a topic for, for another day. Um, you mentioned a, an excellent point about sort of re-engaging these, for, for the sake of the purpose of this discussion, teenagers. You know, sometimes you can get teenagers who are a bit more sort of apathetic. You know, they, they do their virtual classes, they, they log on, they, they do their classes, and then afterwards they sort of retreat back into their own shell. Maybe they play video games, but there isn't much socialization. And then when when you sort of say, well, you know, uh, meet your friends or, you know, going back to school, there's no excitement on their behalf um, because they've just been away from their friends for so long. How do you re-engage those children um, because they've just, yeah, stayed away for so long? Well, that's when, yeah, when sometimes you have to just take take the front driver's seat and be like, hey, you know what? Right now, we're going to go for, for a walk outside. So... You're going to have to join me. I need you to help me out. And maybe just make it about yourself sometimes. Be like, you know, mom, mom is feeling a bit lonely and I would really like your company. Instead of saying, you know, being it about them, make it about yourself. So they feel that they're helping you out, that you need them. And when you feel, when they feel, you know, that they're depressed or they're, they're not really feeling they have much motivation, as soon as they, they feel that they are being needed and that they can actually be of service, any human being would would always usually jump to the occasion. They're like, okay, well, they, they need me. I, I will then, no matter how I feel, I, I, I will step up to this. And just having having them then be the one that sort of is helping you out. But at the same time, you're, you're coaching them to go into something that's gonna boost and elevate the neuromodulators in the brain, like dopamine and you know norepinephrine, all those feel good chemicals. Because exercise is probably one of the most important things to boost moods when it comes to teenagers, even for adults, but teenagers especially, just because they're going through so many hormonal changes that if they don't do physical activity, they'll either have an increase in pent up anger and frustration or complete opposite. They'll completely go down, retreat and become depressed. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, um, or even anxiety as well. Their anxiety levels will go up if they don't have the energy that flows and flushes out and moves through the body to help them reset. Yeah. It's so important to sort of exercise and get the body moving, like you said, just to reset their emotions and really regulate their mood. And this is especially true for, for, for teenagers and adults as well. I think part of the, the, the issue here in Hong Kong that we see is, um, sometimes both parents have to work and the time that they spend with children are limited. So the time that they do spend with their kids are really revolving around subjects such as school, you know, have you finished your homework? Um, and it, uh, not much of it is really dedicated towards getting to know their own children and, and getting to know what's really going on in their lives. Um, how can adults and how can parents or caregivers, to some extent, some grandparents are the ones looking after children and, and young people, how can the caregivers Givers um, sort of talk to children and and young people about their worries, whether it's you know returning back to school, transitioning back to a new setting, or just you know getting to know the, their kids a bit better. So in the yeah, in the case of obviously parents that are out at the office and not at home, it's a little bit difficult to engage. But thanks to technology, like you have text messaging, you have FaceTime video that I'm sure you can quickly pop on at you know at lunchtime and do a five minute video call with your child and just check in with them and say like, hey, how's it going? Like, this is what's happening in my day. Because perhaps children don't want to share sometimes. They, they, especially teens, they don't want to tell you what's going on their day. But if you put the effort to engage in you telling them about their day and you model, hey, I'm sharing. And if you want to share back, great. And if you don't want to share back, that's okay. At least you're showing up and you're, you're trying, right? You're the one that's putting the effort. So they know that you're still thinking about them, even though they might not show it and they might not acknowledge the fact that you know you're you're putting the effort long term down the road they'll remember those times they'll remember when you know you did give them that video call that facetime call but what i think during this time actually is i think a lot of people are working from home so i think it's a blessing in disguise that i think families are being brought together and parents are being able to actually spend more time with their kids because a lot of them are work from home right now and if that's the case that's when the routines are so important where you sit down and you just, you just have a family meeting and be like, hey, these are the expectations that we have. Like during this time, this time, we're all going to be working. It's going to be quiet. How do you want to kind of, let's, how are we going to bring those expectations together as a team, right? And, you know, from this time to this time, it's super important that we all get really good sleep because we don't, if we don't get proper sleep, we're going to get cranky. We can't think properly. Everything we've learned our memories aren't going to consolidate. So we're going to put all this effort into learning at school. And then if we don't sleep, our brains won't be able to process and remember what we learned. So it's a waste of time. So even highlighting the importance of like at a certain time, even though teens can probably stay well till 3 a.m., having them wake up at a certain time and then say, ask them, how many hours do you think you need of sleep so that you can actually think well and feel good and energize? And then they'll start to think, oh, yeah, well, you're right. If I only get three, four hours because I have to wake up at seven to be in class, I got to start getting myself to bed early. So they actually, instead of you telling what to do, ask the questions and have them answer them so they can realize, okay, this is what I have to do if, if I do want to feel better, if I do want to, you know, get more time on social media with my friends, if, you know, I do want to have a, a trivia night online with, with other people from school, right? There's, there's so many things that we can sort of gear towards it and highlight to, to bring us together, either virtually or when you're at home as family.
That's right. We are also live on Facebook. Uh, Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3 is the page to go to. I think we've got a parent who comments on the page. Uh, Bright Spark HK says, uh, would help if society could kick the computer, kick the phone and have the TV put uh, on educational fun programs. Uh, get them inquisitive with parents uh, with better manners and discipline taught at school. Uh, play card games, <laughs> says uh, Bright Spark HK. It's true. Revert back to the basics. Um, we often talk about this on the one, two, three show, and uh, we talk about how self care is really uh, a necessity rather than luxury. A lot of the times, people put themselves last. And, and I know Astrid, I've been following your your YouTube channel. I know you do a lot of sort of breath work and energizing uh, methods to really help us rejuvenate uh, ourselves. Um, are you able to sort of uh, in the last uh, few minutes share some techniques with our listeners and uh, who can get on Facebook, who can watch you there as well? What can you share with us uh, this afternoon? I'd love to share something. Yeah, so one of the biggest things going back to teens and helping out our kids is most of the time changing your thoughts, your anxieties, your fears. It's really difficult to change what's going on in our mind. But what is very easy to do is to change what's going on in our bodies, right? So a lot of the times you see kids slumped over or closed up, their body is going to affect the way they feel. So first, before doing anything when it comes to speaking or breathing, just being aware of, of body. So whatever's going on with each other, like, wait a second, where's your body at? How is your body feeling? Like maybe relax the shoulders, ease the tension from the neck, maybe lengthen the spine to bring more oxygen to the brain, lift into the chest so you can feel a bit more alert and more awake if you're tired. And if they feel very, you know, dysregulated and, and a little bit anxious, sometimes just grounding them be like, how about you just sit down, feel the ground or, you know, feel your feet. On your, as you're sitting on the chair, feel the feet on the floor and just imagine tree roots and really make yourself strong like a tree. I love right? the tree last, root so first, one. Yes. We used to do that in drama school. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. The tree is the best because the tree, if you think about it, it's like the center and the core is so stable. But when a storm comes, which is, you know, anxiety, fears, anger, frustration, that storm can move that tree around, which means you have to be flexible and adaptable. So you don't want to be like this. Yeah. But the feet in the center have to be strong, but you have to be loose and relaxed so that when the storm comes, you can sort of move with it, but then you're still back. So I usually like to start always with being aware of sort of like, where's your feet? Feel feel where your shoulders are at. Try to relax the body physically so it'll start to affect uh, the physiology will affect slowly your feelings mentally. And then once you have that and you feel people connect more with their bodies, they're able to now connect with the breath. And the breath is just very simple. So with children, do you want to have two two breath exercises, one for the little ones, one for the bigger ones? Sure, sure. Or do we have time for that or no? We've got about three minutes. All right. So let's do then the fast version for the children because sometimes children are, are much easily distracted. And what's better to distract them than focusing on a hummingbird or the bee breath? So this is something very easy because it takes off all the senses externally and brings it all within. So all it is, is just humming. So we've all done mm, that humming sound. And if you look at it, they usually call it the humming bee breath. I like to call it the monkey breath. So kids might like to have more fun with it. You have the see no evil, hear no evil, and speak no evil. And the reason you do that is because you hear no evil, you close your ears. You see no evil, you close your eyes, and you take a deep breath in. And then you just hum. Mm -hmm. 
news coming out, give it a try. Join me. Why not? And tell me how you feel. So just take a deep breath in. Close your eyes and hum. Mm -hmm. That's great. And I when you hum, that, that vibration not only just relaxes everything on a cellular level, but it kind of it's just kind of like you just vibrate all the stresses, all the worries out of your mind because you can't think of anything since you have such a loud noise. So that's a great tool to just kind of like bring the kids down. For the older children, I love to use a box breath. So it's just basically look at a 2D box when you have it on a piece of paper. And first of all, have them just sit down and bring their awareness to a balloon in their stomach. You can also use this with children because they can visualize a balloon. And when they inhale, they want to breathe deep. The deeper you breathe, the more you activate a calming response. So when you inhale, you're going up the box for a count of two, and you bring in whatever they want to bring. So happiness, calmness, stress-free. So you're going to hold your breath across the box, and you just kind of feel that feeling go in every part of you. And as you go down the box, you exhale. So releasing out any worries, releasing out any anger, releasing everything you don't want. And as you go across the bottom of the box, you hold that breath. It's like you have a blank slate. You inhale, you fill yourself up with what you want. You hold your breath for two, exhale, release what you don't want, hold your breath, you've got that blank slate. You just kind of do that box breath and that brings a nice balance to the right and left hemisphere of the brain. It brings a balance to the nervous system. And it also, once again, it's all about distracting the mind from everything that's going on, thinking about the future, the past and bringing you to the present. Because with the breath, there is no future, there is no past, the breath is with you every single present moment that you have. When you breathe in, there's the breath. When you breathe out, you breathe out. And if that's all too difficult, guess what? Just observe your breath. That's all it is. Just notice the inhale as it goes in and the exhale as it goes out. So there's not too much to it, but those are a couple of, of exercises that you can try at home. That's fantastic. And breathing is so innate, but it's, it amazes me how sometimes we forget to breathe nicely and how we forget to breathe in a way that relaxes our body. Sometimes we hold our breath because we're nervous or anxious and it then actually affects our performance and it really comes down to practicing good breathing. But it's funny how we often forget about that, even as adults. Oh, it's amazing. There's actually something called email apnea. It's actually a studied thing called email apnea with adults. When we check our emails in the morning, they've noticed that adults will hold their breath and forget to breathe while they're checking their email, <laughs> which think about what happens. Everything tenses, your blood pressure goes up, your heart rate starts to elevate. You now bring up the cortisol. So now you bring yourself into a stressful state because you're holding your breath. So yeah, Amazing. Learn something new every day. Astrid, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Uh, you know, we often talk about uh, practicing gratitude. We're really grateful to have you on the program today with, with your sharing. Hopefully this will answer some of the questions that parents uh, have in their minds. And we've been speaking to Astrid Merck from Balance uh, Health. Uh, we're talking a little bit more about back to school anxieties. Thank you very much for your time this afternoon, Astrid. And I hope to invite you back very again much. next time. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me.